So what is the key to MedTech success in 2024 and beyond? Well, in this episode, I'm going to share with you some things you should do before your next sales call to set the tone for the year to maximize sales growth and to help you blow quota out of the water because baby, you know it is coming. Well, hello, my friends. This is Mace Haroff. I want to welcome you to another episode of the Medical Sales Guru Podcast, the podcast for medical sales professionals who are working in an increasingly challenging healthcare environment. But there are ways around it. And there are different ways to approach it. So let's talk about that today. As each year passes, we grow. Hopefully, we get better at what we're doing. And you will see new opportunities as you go throughout your territory. The key to medical sales success in 2024, what it's really about, you've heard me speak about this before, and this hasn't changed. It is about being relevant. Now, don't run off and think, okay, man, I get it. Got to be relevant. Got to talk about something that's relevant. What I talk about is relevant. That's not what I mean. I'm going to get into a little bit more detail here. And this is so crucial if you really want to grow and continue to have great business moving forward. You see, in MedTech sales, if you listen to your managers and other reps that you run into, a lot of people like to say, you know, the key to succeeding in medical sales is to get out there and talk about your product with everyone that you can and ask for the business. Well, we know that asking for the business is important, but it also depends when you ask for the business and what have you done up until the point that you ask for the business to earn the right to do that. You see, I think this is a big mistake to just start telling people to get out there and talk about your product. And that's the problem. That's what most medical reps do. They go out and they talk about their product. I stand against that. What it does is it it commoditizes you as a salesperson because just about every medical rep is out there talking about his or her product. It doesn't distinguish you in any way. Now, you might think that, well, your product distinguishes you because it's different from the competitions. Not necessarily. You see, here's the problem. There's, There's a couple of problems. Number one, When you go out and start talking about your product, there is an excellent chance, I mean pretty close to 100%, that the doctor or a nurse or whoever the decision maker is, is not looking for a product like yours. Because if they were, they would have called you. They have something. They have a product similar to yours or something that replaces whatever procedure or therapy yours provides. So they're not looking for a product. How do you feel when someone approaches you to sell you something that you're not looking for. Be honest. When that phone rings, I don't know if it still happens if people get cold calls where there's a salesperson on the other end of the line who's pitching something like air conditioning service or maybe something like window shutters or a siding, something that you have no interest in. How do you feel? You probably feel like it's an intrusion and you want to get rid of it as quickly as possible. In fact, if it comes on the phone, you probably hang up the phone. I know that's what I do. And even though I try to be respectful of salespeople because I've been a sales professional all my life, if they don't approach in a way that tells me what's in it for me in a substantial way, they are gone. So your customers, whether it's doctors or nurses or anybody else, they're the same way. They are busy. They have patients to take care of. They have a practice to run. And when you approach them 
to talk about something, a product that they believe they already have or that they don't need, that's a strike against you. Okay, so that's the first problem. Here's the second problem. As soon as you mention what your product is, they're going to immediately compare it to what they already have or what they're using or doing. And unless they can discern at that moment, instantaneously, that your product is substantially better in some way or offers something that they desire or the patient desires or needs that their current product does not provide, they're going to dismiss you. So there's two strikes against you right then and there. That's not being relevant. Just talking about your product is not being relevant. Why do reps keep talking about their product or participating in the scenario I just described when it's not effective? Well, here's why. Number one, they believe that's the right thing to do. Number two, they don't know what else to do. And number three, this is a big one. They don't want to come across as being pushy with the customer. See, most medical reps selling to doctors and other healthcare professionals who, let's be honest, can be a little intimidating, they don't want to come across as being pushy. So what do they do? They play it safe. They talk about their product, and then they say, well, keep it in mind. If you have any questions, give me a call. Everybody says that. How often do you get a call? Months down the road. Oh, you know, hey, Jack, remember you were here, you gave me a sales pitch on your XYZ product? I have a question. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but let's be honest, it doesn't happen that often. You don't have customers calling you to ask questions. So after you deliver a sales call, it's pretty useless to say, well, if you have any questions, just give me a call and you leave your card or they already know how to contact you. That's not effective selling. That's playing it safe because you don't want to push the customer beyond that. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to get into this a little bit. And when I say push the customer, I'm not talking about being a pushy salesperson saying you need to buy this or this is the best or anything like that. Or come on, doc, give it a try. I'm not talking about those things at all. What I'm talking about really right now is your mindset and how you view your abilities. Okay, this is a new year. Right now, when this is being recorded, you might be listening, you might be listening to it in July or September or even in December, and you're saying, well, it's not a new year. It doesn't matter. There is never a wrong time to reset what it is that you're doing as a medical sales professional if it is not serving your best interests, generating business, and helping you to sustain business. If it's not working, time to do a reset. But here's a problem again. Most med tech reps will tell you that they sell effectively. I deliver workshops for medical sales teams to help them improve their sales outcomes. And when I have discussions with reps ahead of time, we don't just jump into it. We talk, we talk a little bit. It's a conversation about the challenges that they have, what they want to achieve. Almost all reps will tell me that they sell effectively, that they know how to sell, and that they really don't believe there's anything that they need to do to improve. Or if they do, whatever they believe they need to do to improve is not really what they need. Most reps grossly underestimate their abilities to influence medical decisions. Now, don't get me wrong. These reps, probably including you, they know their products well, and they could go out there and 
talk someone through using their products safely and effectively, and they're great at that. That's not what we're talking about. What I'm talking about specifically is your ability to influence a healthcare professional's buying decisions. So it's important that you're not living in a fantasy world and you're not able to execute when you're in the pressure of the moment with key healthcare prospects. Now, it's easy to arrive at that decision. It's easy to believe you're competent for several reasons. And I'm not saying you're incompetent. Please don't get me wrong. When I'm talking about competency, I'm talking about a high level of competency where you're able to create a level of influence that drives sales. I get it. You're out there selling every day. And therefore, you might reason that anything that you do every day as a professional, you must be good at because you do it all the time, whether you do it as a professional or not. If you spend a lot of time on social media, you're probably very good at social media. Is there a way you could get better at social media? Undoubtedly, there is. But if you're already doing well and you feel like you're achieving your goals, then you're not going to be very motivated to change because human beings, we don't like change. But I want to talk to you about how human beings will often overestimate their abilities, even with something they do every day. I'm a private pilot. I fly small planes. Been doing this for uh, over, I guess I'm approaching 30 years. Back when I was a med rep, I had a big territory, and I used to fly my plane to my accounts regularly, especially the ones at the distant edges of my territory. And Since I was flying four more days a week, I thought that my flying skills were top of the game. And in aviation parlance, we call that keeping current. If you're a pilot, it's important that your skills are current, especially if you're doing something complex and dangerous like flying on instruments, which is something I did quite a bit of. Well, every two years, private pilots are required to have what's called a flight review, where you hire a flight instructor and the flight review consists of two parts. There's part that you do on the ground, where you're reviewing things such as federal air regulations and going through aviation charts to make sure you understand what everything means. And we'll talk about the risks and also brief what's going to happen when you get into the airplane and fly. So we'd start the flight review with the ground session. We'd go over the regulations, charts, and stuff like that, which I thought I knew pretty well. And the instructor, again, instead of hitting me with questions based on the type of things I do every day with these charts and regulations. He'd say, so what happens in this particular situation? And he'd hit me with those types of questions. Well, I'd get probably about 80 or 90% of them right, but I'd miss 10 to 20%, just enough to get into trouble with the FAA if I wasn't paying attention, or worse, enough for something bad to happen. Because sometimes bad things can happen in aviation if you think your skills are better than they really are. So we'd get through the ground part, then we'd go flying. And I thought this was going to be the easy part because man, this is what I was doing every day. I was confident, just like you're working in your territory every day. That's why you're confident your ability to engage a doctor or some other healthcare professional and have a conversation with them. You do it all the time. So we go up and we start flying. Now the instructor again, just like with the ground review, he didn't test me on things I did every day. He tested me on the things that rarely or never happened, or at least hadn't happened to me yet. Things like an engine failure on takeoff. 
That's where you, you rotate off of the ground, you're climbing out, and suddenly the engine quits. An interesting thing happens in an airplane when the engine quits. If you're climbing, it wants to stop climbing. And if you're in a nose-high attitude like you are in a climb and the engine quits, you, you can experience something which is known as a stall, which is essentially where the airplane stops flying and starts to drop. So you might sense that this is a bad thing. So that's what the instructor would hit me with. We do it in a safe way and see how I would recover from an engine failure during a takeoff climb. We would do some instrument practice. I'd be wearing a hood so I could only see the instruments of the airplane. I couldn't see outside the airplane. And then he'd tell me to close my eyes and he'd put the airplane in what's called an unusual attitude. In other words, while my eyes were closed, he would go into a climb, a descent, do some turns, and he would leave the airplane such as in a descending steep bank. And you say, okay, open your eyes and recover. And you're doing this only on instruments. Not as easy as it sounds if you don't practice it. And if you don't do it correctly, you could overstress the airplane and the wings will literally come off. I know that it rarely happens, but it does happen. So here's the thing. If you can't do it during practice, you won't be able to do it when the proverbial shit hits the fan. Or if we're talking airplanes, when it hits the propeller. Now I'm having some fun with that. I know it's kind of an ugly word picture, but I'm trying to get your attention here. When you're out selling to doctors and other healthcare professionals, there are critical moments of the sales process where if you're not prepared, you can not only lose the sale, but you could leave a negative impression with the customer or prospect about your product or even about you that can take years to undo. I see reps experience this during my live training workshops and even my online training, they will experience this. A lot of medical reps, as you know, they come into the training room pretty, pretty confident. They're making a lot of money. They've been doing it a while. They're cocky. They're even arrogant, some of them. And that's, that's cool. I get it. I like confidence. And when we start doing the initial briefing of what we're going to do during the workshop, they can answer the questions about sales strategies and tactics, how doctors and other customers think, and even how to handle some tough situations, such as when a product doesn't show up or it breaks or it harms a patient. They're able to answer those questions. But then I put them into a realistic selling situation. I, I call it the sales simulator where we do role play, but it's like a role play on steroids. It's realistic. And we really turn up the heat. And here's what happens. They fumble, they stutter, and then reality sets in. They'll present some aspect of their product. And then they'll say, so, so doc, what do you think? And the doctor will say, well, you know, it, it, it looks good. Leave me some information. And that'll end the sales call. And I'll say, well, how did you think that sales call went? And they say, well, I think it went pretty well. I follow it up. Why do you think it went well? Well, it went well because the doctor seemed interested. He was listening. He was nodding his head. And he said, he'll keep it in mind. Let me ask you a question. How easily can you pay your mortgage with the doctor keeping it in mind? Will that pay for your kid's braces or the auto repairs you're going to have because you're putting 40,000 miles a year on your car? No, of course not. But this is, again, this is a sales rep playing it safe. And I see him do it in the training room and they do it out in the field. I've gone on hundreds, if not thousands of ride-alongs. I've lost count. But when I say if you can't do it in practice, you're not going to be able to do it in the real world. So that leads to the next question. 
do you practice? Before you go on a sales call, do you actually practice? Now, here's how most reps think they practice or prepare for a sales call. While they're sitting in the parking lot of the doctor's office or the hospital, they get out the product brochure and they page through it. Oh, yeah, got to talk about that. Got to talk about that. Yeah. But they don't actually practice it. When you practice your golf swing, you go to a driving range and you hit golf balls. You actually hit them. If you want to practice your medical sales presentation or, or even your, more importantly, your medical sales presentation talking points, because I don't believe in a canned presentation. I believe it should be a conversation that happens organically. You should be talking about the things that your prospect wants to talk about, not just your product. Because if you're talking about what the prospect wants to talk about, then you are being relevant. And again, we all know this is about relevance. So how do you practice these talking points? You pretend that you're with a prospect and you actually deliver them. And you see how smoothly they roll off your tongue and how well you can articulate what you're trying to articulate. If you really want to take it to the next level, record yourself doing that. Want to take it to the next level, record yourself on video doing that. And I will tell you from experience, watching yourself on video delivering a sales presentation can be extraordinarily painful because you will find yourself doing things you don't even know that you do. But if you want to take it to one level above that, then do it with one of your colleagues. Team up with another medical sales professional and take turns delivering these points. Two things are going to happen. You're going to see what you don't do well and you'll fix it and you'll get better. So that's the importance of practicing. And it's one of the things that we spend a lot of time with in the workshops. In fact, we spend most of the time in the workshop because in a very short period of time, you do a sales presentation. Let's, let's just say a one or two minute sales presentation doesn't go very well. I give you some coaching or somebody gives you some coaching or you coach yourself because you, you watch the video and you see where things didn't go well and then you do it over and already you've improved. Improvement takes two minutes. That's really what it is. But most medical reps won't do that. And by not doing that, they don't have the skills. And by not having the skills, they find themselves in, again, the same situation that 90% of medical reps are in, which is going out there and talking about the product and then playing it safe. Don't do anything to irritate or upset the prospect. You don't want to do that. So starting this year, what I'm going to ask you to do, first of all, is to review the past year. And if you're listening to this in some other month in January, if you're listening to it in August, look back to August of the year before, prior to this, and ask yourself these questions. What were the target accounts that you have that didn't convert like you hoped over the last year? How did you present to those accounts? What were your talking points? What did you discuss with them? How much of the time were they talking and how much of the time were you talking? Because in successful sales conversations, especially with doctors and healthcare professionals, they must be doing most of the talking. You want to make sure they are. Not because you want to stroke their ego and let them show off how much they know. You want them to do most of the talking so they can tell you what it is that your product needs to do in order for them to use it. You have to learn the skills, you have to develop the skills, and then you have to practice them. And then once you have the skills, then you can employ these strategies on a regular basis. So as you're reviewing your accounts from the past year, how might you alter the strategy this year to get the results that you want?
And one other thing to do is to ask yourself who your best customers were. Is it possible for them to be doing more business with you? Are there products that you can cross sell? Where are the opportunities to grow? And again, you have to stop playing it safe. By playing it safe, I mean your job is not just to cover cases or do in services or to deliver products when the customer needs it in a hurry. Your job is to influence their buying decisions so they choose your product. And if they're using your product, maybe to get them to use more of your product or more of your products, whichever the case may be. In order to do this, you're going to have to challenge their thinking. Because if they're not using your product, right now, their thinking is that they don't need it. You have to challenge that. Do you know how to challenge a healthcare professional without being pushy, without pissing them off, without getting kicked out of the office and not being allowed back in? There's ways to do this. You challenge them by sharing with them what other healthcare professionals are doing and then asking their opinion and then going deeper and going deeper and asking what if questions. Again, always positioning them as the expert, getting them to do most of the talking. And when the time is right, you're able to introduce your product, probably because they'll be asking you if you have a solution once you've revealed the problem and you've gone deep on the problem and they are expecting that there's something you could do to help them out. Once that occurs, they'll probably ask you, well, show me what you got. And they're going to listen in a very different way than if you just walked into their office or clinic and started talking about your product. Because now there is context for them to understand the importance or the possibilities associated with remedying a problem or fixing a situation that could be improved. So I have to ask this question too, because again, if we're talking about medical rep competency, do you know where your weaknesses are? Right now, why not make a list of your weaknesses? In other words, area of your skill set that you'd like to be stronger. Maybe you're not getting as many appointments as you like. Maybe you don't know how to prospect. Getting access to the physician could be a, a challenge. Maybe when you approach doctors, they blow you off too quickly. They don't want to give you any time. Maybe it's closing. Maybe you don't know how to ask for the business. What are your weaknesses? You can't fix them if you don't identify them. Do you know where your competitors' weaknesses are? Both personally as salespeople, because that matters. You know that the customers don't just buy a product. They're also buying the salesperson who services the product. Do you also know where your competitors' product weaknesses are and how you can exploit these weaknesses in a way that your product and you stand out? Do you know how to give those accounts who've been sitting on the fence? In other words, you've made multiple sales calls and they haven't said no, but they haven't said yes, and they keep saying, I'll keep it in mind. Do you know how to give them that gentle little push to just push them over the fence where they'll try out your product? Or are you just going to keep playing it safe? Just a quick story. One of the most important things I learned during my medical sales days was the importance of finding out why customers aren't buying. I had a physician 
Dr. Edwards, who was the nicest guy, and he was a great surgeon. And whenever I wanted time in his office, he'd give it to me. We'd get deep into the product, and it always seemed like a great sales call, kind of the way some of the people in my workshops describe sales calls now. He would listen, we would engage. He'd say, that looks pretty good. I'll keep it in mind. And again, I never wanted to push him. I'd play it safe, and I'd expect to hear from him to try the product or use the product, but I never did. Well, after about four years of calling on him and having these great sales calls, one day during a call, I just decided to stop playing it safe. And I didn't do it in a very tactical way. I just asked a question. I said, Dr. Edwards, I've been calling on you for four years, and I really enjoy talking to you. I learn a lot when I'm speaking with you. And he said, well, yeah, well I learn a lot about your products and the products that are available. I said, that's great. But I have to ask you, in those four years, not once have you ever tried one of my products. Respectfully, sir, can I ask why? I was just frustrated. I thought he was going to get angry and kick me out of the office, and he'd never let me in again. Instead, he answered the question calmly. And he said, Mace, you have really nice products. As you know, I trained on Dan's products. Dan was one of my strong competitors. I trained on those products in residency. I've used them ever since. I've been using these products for over 20 years. I know them like the back of my hand. I'm extremely comfortable. Your products are great. And your products might even be better in some ways. But truthfully, my number one concern when I'm in the operating room are my patients. And what I consider to be best is using a product that I know better than any other product. Because if I started using your product now, I'm going to have to go through a learning curve, it's going to be complex, and it will take some time until I'm up to speed with your product like I am on my product. So the benefits of using your product have to be substantial for me to be willing to take a risk like that. What an incredible lesson that was for me. Because it was at that moment, I learned two things. Number one, I learned the power of asking direct questions and not playing it safe. Critically important. And I subscribed to that for the rest of my career and my sales exploded as a result of that. Number two, I understood maybe more than ever how the risk rewards equation figured into a surgeon, in this case, deciding whether or not to use my product. And that their unfamiliarity with my product versus the long-term familiarity they have with the product they've been using is a risk factor that they need to overcome. Very important to understand that. That is the power of not playing it safe. I encourage you to really take a look at everything you do if you want to reset the sales results during this time, go through each account, go through each stakeholder, identify the opportunities and strategize how you're going to initiate a sales process with them. And speaking of a sales process, what is your sales process? Is it working? Is it reproducible? How can you make it better? As you could probably tell by this podcast episode, I'm asking you a lot of questions, 
and you might be struggling with the answers. But I want you to understand that it's important to ask questions, and that's why I ask them. Now, I can't give you the answers in this short podcast to all the questions that you might have or even all the questions I think you need to ask. But that is why I created a free 90-minute masterclass where I cover the essentials of medical selling in today's complex and challenging healthcare sales environment. It's called Navigating the Seven Pillars of Medical Sales, Closing the Gaps for Predictable Success. If you've attended this program in the past, it's been updated, and I strongly encourage you to attend it again. But I will say this with the confidence of someone who's been in this industry for over 40 years. Again, this webinar is about closing the gaps for predictable success. Everybody has gaps. You have gaps in your sales approach. You just might not recognize it. Everybody does. It's okay. But if you want to move forward, if you want to grow, if you're a professional, you have to understand where your gaps are because otherwise it's going to be costing you business. Just like I had to learn during my flight review the critical elements of flying an airplane that maybe I wasn't up to speed on that one day could kill me. There are things in the sales process that if they're not done properly, they will kill your sales. I talk about this in this 90-minute masterclass. I strongly encourage you to get more information. Sign up for a time that's convenient for you by going to medicalsalesedge.com. That's medicalsalesedge, all one word, dot com. I'll put the link in the podcast description. You could learn how it's going to help you and sign up for a free session that's convenient for you and your schedule. It's available at multiple times throughout the day, and you could even schedule it for the weekend or whenever it's convenient. But if you want to get better results, you have to begin by going through the seven pillars and truly evaluating whether or not your skills are up to speed in all seven. So the key to succeeding at anything in business and in life is not to pass on the opportunities that present themselves to you. You recognize that it's going to be a new year for you, even if you're listening to this in some month other than January, and you have a free masterclass which is going to open your eyes and help you take a look at your business and your sales ability to take it all to the next level. I'm not talking about changing everything that you do. That would be a, a big mistake. It is smart to continue to do the things that are working. But it's even smarter to add in strategies and tactics that will help you get more sales and happier customers. And it certainly is worth the time to eliminate the bad habits that are costing you sales. So I encourage you to take this opportunity presented by the new year that you're going to start right now and use it to your advantage. And whether this will be a good year, an average year, or a year that sucks, you get to decide that right now and every day moving forward. Or you can play it safe. Check out medicalsalesedge.com. Hope to see you on one of the sessions. I'm Mace Haroff. Don't forget that whatever you do in your medical sales career, the patient always comes first. Bye for now. <laughs>